Welcome to Healthy Brain, Happy Body, a podcast from the Northeast Region Biofeedback Society. I'm your host, Dr. Saul Rosenthal. In this podcast, we explore the ever-fascinating connections between brain, body, health, and happiness. For this episode, we're visiting again with Dr. Fred Schaefer, biological psychologist, professor of psychology at Truman State University in Utah, director of Truman's Center for Applied Psychophysiology, and the current president of the Association for Applied Psychophysiology and Biofeedback. Dr. Schaefer returns to Healthy Brain, Happy Body to discuss some new methods for improving heart rate variability. I talked with him about heart rate variability's importance in health and why slow-paced breathing is not always the best way to make HRV better. Fred, I want to welcome you back to Healthy Brain, Happy Body. I think you were, um, I think it was the second season, episode one, where we first talked together. And uh, this is going to be um, episode 14, actually, for this season. So welcome back. My pleasure. Uh, On August 3rd, you're going to be presenting at NRBS uh, a webinar about using slow-paced contractions to improve heart rate variability. Now, most people listening to this podcast will know something about heart rate variability, and uh, many people know that it has to do with the beat-to-beat changes in heart rate, and that it's somehow related to health or stress in in some way or other. But could you start off by giving us just a a basic description of of heart rate variability, what it is, what it means? Well, heart rate variability is uh, the change or variability in the time between adjacent heartbeats. Uh, And uh, we care about it because healthy hearts are not metronomes. They show unpredictable variability in their intervals uh, between successive beats. Uh, And if you had a heart that had identical time intervals as in one second, one second, one second uh, between successive beats. That would be a heart that might soon require a pacemaker. Uh, Another reason we care about heart rate variability is its role in so many functions, such as executive functions, like planning, uh, memory, uh, decision-making, in regulatory capacity in allowing us to adjust to changing workloads. Uh, It even uh, determines how efficiently we mobilize and utilize our very limited uh, resources uh, to regulate our bodies. Uh, So we think of the complexity of the heart rhythm as shown by heart rate variability as crucial to homeostasis, in part because it provides us with the flexibility to cope with an uncertain and changing environment. And how is it typically measured? There are two major ways that we measure heart rate variability. Uh, One is an EKG or ECG sensor, uh, and the other is a PPG or infrared sensor. Uh, So there are recording devices that you can wear on your chest, you can put uh, on a wrist, 
you can put on a finger uh, that can detect the time interval uh, between successive beats. Typically, when we talk about doing heart rate variability biofeedback or improving heart rate variability, we're usually talking about using paced breathing. So keeping respiration rate steady for several minutes, uh, which seems to improve or increase heart rate variability. How, how does that work? How, how does it increase HRV? Okay. We start with a term called respiratory sinus arrhythmia or RSA. And let me break that down. Uh, the heart rate speeds and slows across each breathing cycle. And this is the main and entirely parasympathetic source of HRV. So when you breathe uh, more slowly than we typically do at rest, so we're not breathing at 12 to 20 breaths per minute, instead we're breathing perhaps uh, from four and a half as an adult to maybe six and a half breaths per minute. Uh, this will cause a speeding and slowing of the heart for each breathing cycle. So we inhale, the heart rate speeds, we exhale, the heart rate slows. And this can increase the difference between the fastest and the slowest heart rate for each breathing cycle. Okay, so this that's how breathing works. Uh, and you're going to actually be talking about slow slow paced contractions rather than respiration. C can you describe what the differences are? Yes. Here we're talking about muscle contraction. And you're, uh, in our lab, uh, we found uh, confirmation of the uh, landmark work by the late Yevgeny Vashilo and colleagues that contraction of the wrists in uh, the ankles, uh, and we've thrown in the core as well. Uh, if you do that at the same rates, or even more slowly uh, than slow paced breathing, you can produce robust uh, increases in heart rate variability. Uh, so let me break this down as well. Imagine that you're using a pacing display that you would normally use to guide your breathing. About one and a half seconds before the peak of that display, uh, you start your contraction. And the contraction doesn't have to be very forceful at all. Uh, what you're doing is for uh, three seconds, you are contracting the muscles in your wrist, the muscles in your ankles, and your core. And so a half, one half seconds before you reach the peak of the pacing display, you start a modest contraction. And then one and a half seconds at, after you reach the peak, uh, you stop it. And then you, reset uh, for the next cycle. Uh, so instead of breathing, 
what you're doing is rhythmically contracting uh, your wrists, core, and ankles. And typically we have people sitting with their uh, legs propped up on a second chair and their ankles crossed. And this is the way that we do it. We use in our lab uh, verbal prompts, uh, but you could just as easily look at a pacing display that was intended for breathing and achieve the same result. So you, you would be using the same, uh, a pacer that was going at the same rate as your resonance frequency of respiration, but about a second and a half before the peak, you would start to contract the muscles and then a second and a half after you release. Yes. So there's that other period of time is you're just sitting quietly and breathing normally. And there's no requirement that people breathe any differently uh, than when they are uh, at rest uh, because the work of uh, stimulating the uh, baroreceptors for heart rate and uh, blood vessel tone and baroreceptors are just blood pressure receptors uh, are uh, is, is done by the muscle contraction not by the breathing that was that's exactly what i was wondering about is what's the mechanism that works here it's it's not we're, with respiration we're stimulating autonomic uh, nervous system what what's happening with the muscle contraction it's the same thing except in the case of muscle contraction you depending on the rate at which you're doing this uh, for example if you're doing it at uh, six contractions per minute uh, you may primarily be activating uh, the heart rate uh, barrel reflex uh, when you get slower down to like one contraction or three contractions per minute uh, you are you affect uh, the vascular tone uh, control system, which is a second uh, linked uh, closed loop that controls blood pressure. Uh, so we're breathing primarily affects the heart rate baroreflex. Slow paced muscle contraction can actually, depending on the rate at which you perform it, uh, both affect uh, the heart rate baroreflex and the uh, vascular tone uh, baroreflex that controls blood vessel uh, diameter. So it makes sense what, what you had said earlier that the contractions either at your resonance frequency or slower yeah. can be useful. Yes, I mean, this can be used, as you well know, uh, in heart rate variability uh, biofeedback with breathing. Uh, two of the major protocols are either to do slow breathing around six breaths a minute or to fine tune it to an individual's best stimulation rate, which we call uh, the resonance frequency. Uh, so both are, are both can be done uh, with uh, slow-paced contraction as well. 
why then would you use one versus the other? Why, why use contractions or why use respiration? I think there are a number of important reasons. And let me give you uh, several. And we start with my colleague, Don Moss, who provide an example of a patient who uh, suffered damage to the phrenic nerve, so she could not voluntarily uh, pace her breathing. And therefore, breathing would not be voluntarily used uh, to uh, increase heart rate variability because she couldn't give commands uh, to her muscles uh, to breathe at a certain rate. So uh, in phrenic nerve damage, fortunately, it's very rare. So this uh, is not the major reason. There are other reasons. For example, slow-paced breathing can be challenging uh, for clients who breathe dysfunctionally. For example, they overbreathe. Clients diagnosed with chronic pain may breathe faster than uh, 20 breaths per minute and certainly may not be able to slow the breathing down to four and a half to six and a half breaths per minute. And then we have cases of patients who may breathe rapidly to protect their acid-base balance. So you have medical disorders that cause a decrease in blood pH, resulting in acidosis. Now, rapid breathing helps them maintain homeostasis by expelling carbon dioxide from the body. Uh, and this in turn can increase the pH and counteract the acidosis. Slow paced contraction is safer than slow paced breathing for these patients when metabolic or respiratory acidosis uh, requires that they breathe more rapidly uh, to counteract or decrease blood pH. So in other words, we don't want to slow these individuals breathing down. We don't want them to increase uh, blood pH because it could put them in the ER. And certainly I'm sure we've all worked with people who just can't do it. They can't slow their respiration down for a variety of, of reasons. Yes. So this, offer, this offers a nice alternative. In your lab, as you've been examining and looking at this approach, does it seem that one strategy may improve HRV more than the other? Does, do they seem to be equivalent? We have some evidence starting out with the work uh, done by Vashilo and colleagues at Rutgers, and then following up in our lab, uh, that you actually may see more robust increases in uh, heart rate variability uh, when you do slow-paced uh, contraction than slow-paced breathing. But I think this is an individual differences issue. And so I, I see these as two complementary strategies uh, to increase heart rate variability. Uh, I don't believe the evidence is uh, strong enough uh, to draw the conclusion that one is superior to another. And, and certainly all, all things being equal, there are other reasons to work on respiration rates and and, and patterns. Yes, yes. Uh, particularly, as, as our dear colleague Eric Pepper often says, 
there's far more to breathing uh, than HRV. So there are many, many functions that what he would call effortless breathing may produce that go beyond just increases uh, in heart rate variability. So in some ways, contractions might produce more robust HRV compared to respiration. Although, again, there, there are other reasons to do respiration. But what if you combine the two? Is it better than either separately? We have collected the data and we expect to uh, finish uh, data analysis uh, early this fall. What we know for sure uh, is that, you, that we have to take out the core component uh, and by that, I mean uh, the abdominal component of uh, slow pace contraction, if you want to combine the two. If you are tightening your core for at the time that you're supposed to be inhaling, you are not going to be able to inhale. So we've combined wrist and ankle with slow paced breathing at uh, six breaths per minute. So we have the data, we just have to finish uh, analyzing it. Unfortunately, our university was uh, attacked by malware at the end of the spring semester, and that locked down our lab for two weeks. So in the fall, we will we should have at least data analysis, and we'll get a sense of whether uh, there are synergistic effects. Well, that'll be interesting, and uh, maybe ha we'll have you back to to tell us about it and. Though, though it sounds like it would be kind of complicated to coordinate doing both slow-paced contractions and slow-paced respiration at the same time. Uh, are you finding that the, that your your participants were able to do it, learn to do it relatively easily, or, or is it sort of a complicated, more challenging approach? After, I think, a few weeks of running participants, I think we found that starting with a breathing pacing display and then adding prompts of when to contract the wrist and ankles. So the one half seconds before the peak, one half seconds after the peak uh, work pretty well. So in our setting, using verbal prompts for the slow pace contraction uh, made it easier. It's simplified. But yes, it, if a person were doing it on their own, it could be challenging. So I, I, I like to end our conversations with some one thing questions. So what is one thing you'd like our listening audience to take from our discussion today? I think that the most important idea is that we have several uh, options uh, for training clients to increase heart rate variability. Uh, the slow-paced breathing continues to be a mainstay for the field. Uh, but I believe that as we gain more data, uh, both from the Rutgers work of uh, the Vashilas uh, and from our lab, I think that slow-paced contraction uh, will also play a role. As with so many things in our field, it's a matter of getting the word out.
Uh, you do that through presentations like this, and you do it through publication. Uh, but this, this it excites us because it, uh, we know that there are clients who can have a difficult time uh, learning to breathe more slowly. And this is a way uh, to uh, extend the benefits of heart rate variability biofeedback to these individuals. Uh, finally, for your own practice, respiration or contraction? I use respiration. Uh, I find it it is so uh, over uh, overtrained in me. I have uh, our work with slow pace contraction is really just about uh, four years old, uh, so I haven't practiced it as much. Well, we'll see. We'll see where we are in, in another four years or, or ten years, and how many people are doing this along with or maybe in a, instead of respiration. Uh, Fred, thanks again. It's always great to talk with you. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. And I look forward to hearing you on August the 3rd. I look forward to presenting on August the 3rd. You've been listening to Healthy Brain, Happy Body, a production of the Northeast Region Biofeedback Society. Go to nrbs.org to find out more about the organization, including our trainings, monthly webinars, and yearly conference. Our guest today was Dr. Fred Schaefer, an expert in applied psychophysiology, a prolific author, and a sought-after speaker and teacher. Join him on August 2nd when he talks about improving heart rate variability with slow-paced muscle contractions at his NRBS webinar. You can register or find a recording following the link in the show notes. You can also subscribe to this podcast following the subscribe here link or wherever you get your podcasts. We really want to hear from you. Be part of this ongoing conversation by contacting us with your thoughts, ideas, and questions. The email address is healthybrain at nrbs.org. Leave us reviews as well. It really helps podcasts like this one reach more listeners. Healthy Brain, Happy Body is produced and edited by me. The theme music is Catch It by Coma Media. Be sure to join us on our next episode as we continue to explore the keys to our well-being on Healthy Brain, Happy Body. Happy Body.